Well, hey folks, Ty from BreakerCulture.com. Thanks so much for joining uh, in this episode of Breaker Culture Weekly, where Shani and I just kick back and talk about random things, some of it related to sports cards, some of it related to incredibly obscure topics. For instance, this week, we spend a little bit of time talking about journaling and fountain pens and youth sports. And of course, we talk about Alan Ginter and Topps Chrome and the National. So I hope you enjoy it. It's about 55 minutes long, but uh, something you can definitely throw on and listen to as you're driving today or later this week. Uh, but either way, we look forward to seeing you around. Thanks so much for supporting us here at Breaker Culture. Um, enjoy the podcast. Tyler. Good morning. How you doing? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's been a great week. What about yourself? Yeah, I can't complain. It's been a good week. A bit of a let down, trying to re-enter the normal routine after a little vacation in Vegas. But, you know, it's nice weather in Pittsburgh, so I can't complain. Yeah, same here. We're, we're talking mid-70s in Kansas City. So for for us Midwest folks in July, if you can take 70s, you you, you run with it. You enjoy it. Yeah, and actually, it's it's probably been a little bit warmer in terms of temperature here, but uh, kind of a nice breeze every day and low humidity, so nice. yeah, really, really comfortable. Very nice. Well, I know it's early. Have you have you had your coffee this morning? I had my lovely Starbucks. Oh, so is that, <laughs> is that your is that your routine? You run into Starbucks every morning type thing, or do you you? I do. I brew your own. In fact, okay. I live around the corner from a Starbucks and uh, uh you know it's like a norm type of situation they know my order and uh they all know me by my first name and they even pronounce my name correctly oh there you go <laughs> so it's hard to change that what's uh what's your normal routine what's your drink I do a flat white okay all right I like the smooth sweet kind of not too sweet I don't do like the heavy frappuccino kind of deal but you know yep. the sweeter side yeah and I get so, my wife her uh, vanilla latte, and I bring it home for her. <laughs> what a gentleman. What a gentleman you are. I try. I try. <laughs> That's right. Well, so, I, you know, I roast coffee on the side and, and yeah. uh, have for, for quite some time now. But I'm drinking this new Peru um, natural coffee. And, I, you know, we get these beans in every week or so. And, and it's fu- beans are funny so when you roast a coffee it's like it's like a newborn baby basically like the first three days it's just every day it looks a little different tastes a little different huh um so it's, it's interesting but uh but I'm, i have a big party this weekend and so we i went yesterday to a gas supply store and i bought a big tank of nitrogen and i'm going to infuse all this coffee with uh nitrogen to make nitro coffee what is that so so i mean it's essentially it's this black coffee uh, infused with nitrogen and it creates this kind of this cold foamy almost carbonated but not quite carbonated um <laughs> it, it's 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 the new thing now if you go into starbucks most of the time if they have nitro on tap it's usually sold out by two o'clock um so you'll, you'll yeah if you haven't tried it i definitely recommend trying nitro coffee it's just a new way of drinking it with with no additives it's, it's a nice way of just consuming your coffee in a different way <laughs> i hear nitrogen i know it's not the same thing but i think of like uh you know like the parking lot at a dead show oh wow the balloons <laughs> all over the <laughs> all over the ground yeah slightly different i am slightly a bit, different. I, a bit I would not infuse it <laughs> oh wow yeah there you go <laughs> nice well, man, I tell you, in the hobby, this is, I guess, I guess we consider this a dead week. If you talk to any of the vendors, most of the vendors are just heads down focusing on the national, right. all the prep for that stuff. Right. Not not a lot happening with products. Uh, I think most of the hangover from Allen and Ginter still taking place. I know I'm dealing with that. <laughs> but what uh, what are you doing? What are you doing this week? I think you got into a couple breaks or something. But yeah, you know, you experiment with it. Usually is I would say an even deader week than i'm experiencing because with cornerstones basketball and certified football there there is a little bit more going on than typically before the week before a national Mm. um i i was expecting more out of certified i don't know why because i've never really thought it was 
that great of a product, just an early season kind of whatever sticker auto type of single color relic product and Mm -hmm. it's still pretty much what it is so i shouldn't be let down i guess i just for some reason got my hopes up i think what it is is the hype around football products is pretty intense because of so many rookie quarterbacks yep and it's not that the products are really all that better or anything like that it's just that you know there's 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 a lot to chase um, including with the Steelers, as you know, I always always bring it back to Pittsburgh. So Mason Rudolph brings that price up for the Steelers. And then uh, on cornerstones, it's quite the opposite. For me, I'm speaking, um, I kind of didn't have much of an expectation. And there are elements of the product that I'm not really all that excited about, like mm-hmm. their inserts and especially the, the, the relic-only cards that are just kind of blah. But that one on-card auto cornerstones you know quad you get per box it's pretty nice hmm and uh we were talking about a few rookies from this past year and a few rookies coming into next year right that that we like in the very first break that i did i grabbed a couple of teams one of them being the hawks and i got a john collins rookie cornerstones oh nice pretty pumped about that very nice, yeah. That's a that's a solid one. Yeah, very solid. And I, I think I bought the Hawks in half a case for fifteen bucks. Beautiful. So definitely would have that, cost me more to get that card. Oh the, yeah, it, that's a that's a typical use case for supporting breaks right there. Exactly. <laughs> jump in for fifteen bucks and a team that's you normally maybe wouldn't jump in on, and there you go, you land a pretty solid player. Exactly. And I'll tell you, I have looked at a number of. Um, completed auctions as well as just listings on individual breakers websites. And uh, yeah, half a case seems the way to go. You can get a solid third of the teams in the NBA for around 15 to 18 bucks in a, in a half case break, you know, granted a half case break is only six boxes and only two autos per box. So you're only really getting an opportunity to see 12 solid auto hits Right. So out of 32 teams, you know, what's your chance of getting something? But at such a low price point, it's hard to argue. Kind of a good risk. Yeah. Yeah, it's very true. Yeah, it's it's good. I, I think the national is always that you got the all-star break with the you know baseball and then the national and Ginter definitely marks kind of the central point of the season for collecting. Right. So, so I gotta I think, ask you something. Uh yeah, relative man. to Ginter, and I know we didn't necessarily plan on this conversation prior to, but I um I saw a comment you made on Twitter and I've kind of then started paying more attention and seeing some other kind of social media conversations, if you will, about Ginter. Is mm. is there something going on? Is there a phenomenon related to Ginter this year about just resale being really low? Yeah. So there's a few things that have stood out to me with Ginter. Um, so, so first off, resale has definitely taken a hit. Uh, I don't know if it's just, I don't know if people are just tired of it. Or maybe the timing this year. Uh, there's been some injuries, but I mean, it's a solid rookie class. Otani definitely hurt when he when he went down. Uh, but yeah, overall resale value definitely down. But there's been some issues with um, packouts. Oh, really? I mean, you're getting you're getting breakers who are getting you know thirty, forty different minis that are supposed to be one every you know two boxes basically, and they're getting like thirty in a case. And I had the same thing. I had one of them that I had thirty cases. We have these. There's a super short print kind of unannounced rookie set. Um, it's three players. It's Calabrese, Dennis the Rash, and um, somebody else, Benjamin something. Um, th- I mean, those are supposed to be rare, right? I had seven in one case. They're essentially case hits. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, does it does it does it matter? No, because it, I mean, the whole set sells for fifteen bucks. <laughs> okay. But and people don't realize that you know there is some, there's some scarcity to that. But yeah, that that's a massive issue. But the biggest issue of all with Ginter this year is the wood minis not popping up. Right, nowhere, no so, one can find. So is the is the reality on that that they're just literally not in there? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing the the. The wood minis between one and three fifty have not appeared. Have wow. not appeared. I, I think I think maybe one or two have kind of somehow popped out of the you know the no pun intended woodwork. But uh, but yeah, the I mean the the short printed 
Woods are coming out of rip cards still, just like any other year. But the one through fifties, which are supposed to be randomly inserted, uh, are just not there. And I mean, I know for some collectors, like you know, the big guys like Brent and Becca, for instance. I mean, they they count on those right. massive case breaks. And uh, so, I mean, I know Tops has been. They've started to respond to it and at least acknowledge that maybe there is an issue. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I mean, and then the, the other thing that just popped up a couple of days ago was rip cards. They didn't put the, 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 I guess, the white black sleeves in between the card, the mini card and the actual rip card. So they're and getting so, up. Well, no. So you, you can get a flashlight. Oh, and you can go shine it from the back, and you can see basically what's in your card. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I found that out a little bit too late. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had sold a couple, and it's like I – mean, and that's fine, too. I'd, I'd honestly – I'd rather not know. I'd rather do it the right way. But, I mean, that's, that's going to crush eBay sales uh, there as well. I mean, you're just going to see folks right. not buying 2018 Ginter Rip cards. Wow. Um, so yeah, man, this the it's, it's unfortunate because Ginter's such a staple release in the industry period, and they they missed the mark on a lot of different areas. It's so interesting. I I have a difficult time fully understanding how Tops allows that to happen, and I'm not one of these rebel rousers that starts to you know shake my fist and yell at the manufacturers when something like this happens, but. It is a little different when you're talking about such a flagship product. Mm. Um, I kind of have a little bit more room to accept mistakes when, I don't know, it's a new release that you're just trying out or it's one of your releases that isn't exactly as popular, has as much of a following. After Series 1, 2, and Chrome, is there a bigger product for Tops? I'd argue Heritage. Heritage is probably bigger. Bowman's probably bigger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Still, I mean, but, but still, your top exactly. five product. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, be that yeah. as it may, I mean, it's not going to stop certain set collectors. And, you know, I, I guess you're probably doing better on the low and mid end and just the high end is getting killed. Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. And I, you know, I put a little article out a couple of days ago, just how, how do you approach Ginter? And this year it, you, if you don't stick to that plan, you will get crushed. Right. You just going to, yeah, it's just, it's funny, man. You don't normally see Ginter in hobby shops and even some of the big box retailers with, with Ginter available, it's especially like at reduced prices within a week of release. Right. I mean, and you can find to, it everywhere now. You find it everywhere. You find it everywhere. Mm. Um, have you, did you pay attention to any of the uh, the Topps Chrome checklist stuff that came out? No, I didn't even notice that there was any information released. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they threw out some information um, a couple days ago. So so interesting, you know. I mean, I don't know if you've watched Topps Chrome pricing, but you were looking at kind of pre checklist about fifteen sixteen hundred a case <laughs> one one twenty five a, a hobby box That's... is what you were looking at. Okay. But uh, and, and there's nothing I would say glaringly wrong with the checklist. It's just they they left off a couple of players because I think they realize they can throw them in the next you know heritage high number or archives. One of those products coming out, but Date, yeah, they didn't put in Juan Soto. And Are you put in the Oh my god! Okay, and so uh, a lot of people f- pretty frustrated. But you look at pricing. I'm looking at it right now on on our uh, little on Unbreaker Culture. Uh, DA Car World has got their cases down to twelve ninety. Oh they, wow! They've literally slashed off two hundred fifty dollars in two days. Wow! Yeah, so you're well, starting to see, man, a little correction to cut their prices. Have have others followed yet? They're, they were the first one, so you still got. I mean, as of this morning, you still got Blowout at fourteen seventy. You got Steel City at sixteen hundred a case. Wow. I mean, Steel City's usually the last to bring their numbers way down. Um, yeah. And understandably so. You know, they're a little bit smaller. Um, blowout, though, that's surprising. They're usually ahead of the trend. Yeah, that is surprising. That is surprising, too. I kind of I figured they'd be up there. They'll get there, though. I mean, I, I or unless they just don't see that DA is making the right choice. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. DA is really 
undercutting themselves and blowout realizes that who knows yeah because yeah soto not being there is disappointing but otani's still in there yeah very true very true i mean but if, if you look at it in kind of the overall landscape of the product i mean there it, it's just not a good setup for collectors yeah i mean is you're there looking anything at... other than Soto's omission that stands out as far as the information that's been released so far? Uh, yeah, so the thing that stood out to me, and I, and I threw a quick image up of kind of how it breaks down. I mean, th- there's th- there's four teams that don't even have an auto. Uh, and there's one team, which hits home to me because it's the, it's the Kansas City Royals. They don't even have a relic or an insert. Wow. An insert. It's just it's insane. And it's the exact same with the Pirates. Pirates have nothing. Uh, I, I, take, I take that back. I take that back. <laughs> the, the Pirates have three autos, but no uh, inserts, relics, auto relics. Um, they, they, I mean, they're at the bottom of the barrel again. But, I mean, there's three other teams right. that don't have anything. The Tigers, the Marlins, the Mariners. I mean, you're, you've essentially isolated four wow. larger. I mean, Tigers and Mariners are pretty substantial you know, markets. You got nothing. You don't even, there's no reason to even buy into the product. So... <laughs> I've been saying to myself this whole season, and really the truth is the Pirates haven't been great in baseball products for a few years. And despite having said that to myself over and over again, that I should just grab a random spot and see what I can get. Because at worst, I'll be able to (laughs) trade whatever team I get for the Pirates because nobody's going to want them. And uh, I still haven't done it. I don't know why. Probably because ultimately the Pirates are still – considerably cheaper than a random spot right that's that's true but uh you know chrome is an exciting product i you know i i i I, it'll be disappointing not to be able to enjoy it hopefully it'll still have some fun element to it but uh we're quick question other than soto any other rookies admitted um nothing nothing that stands out i think most of the others are there uh yeah yeah I mean, Soto's the big one, obviously. Um, everybody else has already been in products. I think everyone was kind of waiting on Soto to pop in. And what's so, the release on that? Is that next week? Yeah, so it was it's scheduled for August 1st. I, I, I've kind of heard through the grapevine that it's coming out. They're going to start shipping today uh, because of uh, the Nationals. So yeah, the Nationals vendors. starts on August 1st, doesn't it? I believe so, That's yeah. a, That's next Wednesday. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. That'll be the buzz at the national. Everybody just kind of crying about the Chrome being kind of weaker than it should be. Yeah. You know, I think you're going to hear a lot about that. You're probably going to hear a lot about uh, the Ginter crap. Yeah. yeah that's going to be popping up. Um, but yeah, for, for those that don't want to take the time to go look at really the breakdown, if, if you're, if you're prioritizing teams, it's, you always got Yankees. Yankees are number two with Chrome, but you got the Braves, the Mets, the Phillies and the Cardinals. Those are the top five teams. Yeah. Not even, not even close. So even the angels fall kind of, they fall at number six and they're six and there's six hits behind the Braves. So the Braves are just loaded. Oh, I know. Loaded. I know. So many rookies, so many good rookies. I mean, the Yankees obviously too. I, I, I've still, I don't know why. I don't know. I guess he hasn't really done that much, but being overshadowed by Otani and even Judge last year, I, I just expect Frazier's numbers to be bigger. I know I, I shouldn't. I forgot to mention he's even overshadowed by his own rookie teammate in Gliber. But uh, I don't know. I've just had my eye on Frazier for a while. That's probably why I think about him. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's the third best rookie on that team, right? You got Andrew Jar and you got Labor Torres. Miguel Andujar is absolutely crushing it right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how baseball but, is with these guys that can just leapfrog others. In a, I know. You're, you're talking about teenagers, so, you know, it shouldn't be too surprising. We're both. No, that's true. We see our kids take these, you know, slow lulls for a period of time and then all of a sudden have a growth spurt or a spurt in strength and coordination and just all of a sudden leapfrog their friends and teammates at things and then it happens to them, you know? Yeah. And it's just uh, a cycle that seems to go really, really fast at times and a little bit slower at others, but it happens a lot. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I think that's, it's more so there than in baseball than really any other sport. 
I mean, obviously with the quantity of games and yeah. the way we've broken down stats and such a, it's the minutia of everything. We know everything about every player. Right. It, I do. I mean, my son has played baseball and he's actually interested in getting back into it this year. Um, and this is my 12 year old I'm referring to, but he has focused a lot on basketball more so than anything. Mm-hmm. And even there, I noticed it a, a lot. And uh, there was a period of time when he was about nine years old that he was one of the best players in the league that he played in and on his school team. And uh, in a matter of, I don't know, three quarters of a season, he was leapfrogged by 20, 30. I don't, I don't even know what percentage, but a fair percentage <laughs> of the league. And it shot his confidence. So not only was mm. he passed up, but with that, sh- you know, kind of shaking to his core, so to speak, you know, that was kind of a double effect. It took him going away for the summer last summer and kind of gaining more confidence playing ball with his friends at camp to come back with kind of a renewed sense of, you know, approach to the game and and just confidence. And uh, he went out there and, you know, started killing it again. But it's definitely an interesting thing to be a parent watching youth sports and obviously rooting on your kid and just seeing kind of the, I never, I always thought about certain things about what that experience would be like. I never really thought about this kind of skill set cycle and how that might affect my kid's confidence. Hmm. And it's an, it's just an interesting observation. No, absolutely. I think that that's uh, do you think any of that has to do with the coaching and maybe the lack of encouragement from a coach? In fact, I probably wouldn't have gotten into it because I might get animated. (laughs) Yeah. The, one league he plays in, all of it. It's not just that his team is coached by a teenager. All the all of the teams are coached by teenagers. So the coaching is okay. a bit weak. However, all of the teams are on the on a level playing field. And I happen to have come through this same program when I was growing up, mm-hmm. and I really do see the value in basically the structure of the program is such that when you're a kid coming through the instructional and uh, c- competitive part of the program, you're your coaches are the kids that had just come through that program before you. So, you know, if you're in second through sixth grade, your coaches are the high schoolers. And as you get older, you start to transition to being a coach or actually you're a ref first and then a coach. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. as a parent, you just have to be aware of the program and the structure and that it's yes, intended to make these kids better basketball players, but it's also intended to be a leadership program for the older kids that are part of it. And I really see the value in that. So being that, I thought, well, where is he going to get the better coaching at at school? And I have to say, the three or four different high school kids that have been his coach through the years that he's been in this program have been so much better than the adult that coached his school team. Hmm. And I don't mean even a little bit better. I mean, night and day the teacher that actually was his teacher one year who coached his school team this past year, the fifth grade team was just flat out horrible. She never, she kept 15 kids on the team, 15 kids on a basketball team and Mm. she never subbed. So 10 kids sat the whole game, every game. And she never gave my son a chance to play. So she never really got to see how good he could be. And I, not trying to be that parent. Believe me, I try so hard not to be that parent. But he was better than at least two of the starters. And she just knew those kids better. She had been around them more. So it's just, you know, long story short, until kids get into really eighth grade and or an AAU program, there's not much you can do to really be sure they're getting good instruction unless you hire it privately. So. Yeah, I, I would, I would maybe disagree a little bit there. Right. And being a coach and being in it for four years now and kind of seeing the other side of it, okay. uh, I, you know, and I, I have, I have two older boys, one that's entering the fourth grade ones entering the third grade. 
And so I essentially started both kids when they were in second grade. And it was one of those things where we had a school, a group of folks from the school where there was five or six kids. And we just, we just went to the luck of the draw and just said, Hey league, give us, we need six kids to, to fill out our baseball team. We just got really lucky and ended up getting really good squads from both, from both teams. But yeah, I think you, you hit that point where you're entering third, fourth grade, where you move into kids pitch and you start to, you start to see pretty quickly. And if, especially if you know kids for a couple of years, like which ones are going to take it serious. Right. And, right. and like, I've always told the parents, like my, my job is, my job is not to, to mentor, I mean, to, to coach your kid into being a major league player. Like my job as a youth baseball coach is to get your kid to love baseball more. Absolutely. Like that's really it. Like, yeah. Like if I can somehow accomplish him falling more in love with baseball at the end of, by the end of the season, like I've accomplished what I want to accomplish. And, and to me, like you, you just can't do that without being like incredibly encouraging. Um, of course you got to challenge them. You got to hold them accountable, but like you have got to encourage these kids to like work hard. You got to encourage your dads to work with them. Um, you know, it's funny. I put a Twitter out the a couple of days ago about um, the home run challenge stuff. The top stuff. Oh, those inserts. That, yeah. Man, I tell you, you know, I, I was, I was a, I was a big, uh, I was pretty negative about this stuff when it came out in Top Series One, thinking, man, it took the place of a couple inserts and right. blah blah blah. And I, and I tell you what, man, I, I stocked up probably sixty of these over the course of the year, and I started giving them out to kids on the team as nice. kind of rewards for practice. That's cool. Um, and then my my sons and I, we over the past two weeks have just been picking four or five players every night and starting them the next day. I have not been as engaged uh, in major league baseball than I have the last two weeks because of these cards. You're not gambling and, enough on daily fantasy. Yeah. You know, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. No, but, but I mean That's the concept, really it, the point, the point yeah. is you want your kids to pay attention to other players. That's what baseball needs. Right. There's no LeBron James who everybody knows. Like Mike Trout doesn't speak, so no one really knows the guy. <laughs> you know, like, and and this is awesome because my kids are like, Dad, if you know the this, the Mets aren't on MLB tonight, how are we gonna how are we gonna watch this game? And they're pulling up my app and they're watching like play by play on the game center. Yeah, that's cool. So I, like that that type of stuff for youth baseball, like if you can get your kids involved in that, and and I can help accomplish that, and coaches can do that, then yeah, that's what we need. So I that's think what what with that commentary, what you've really kind of highlighted is how drastically different youth sports can be from sports sport because I couldn't agree with you more about baseball and my son's experience in baseball was entirely positive I think basketball takes on a little bit of different character maybe because you only can play five kids at a time Mm -hmm. maybe because in this community that we're in, it basketball happens to reign king. Even though we are in a town in Pittsburgh where there's no professional basketball team, it, it just happens to have, you know, over over the generations, it, basketball became very important in this community. And so there's a level of competitiveness that exists even between the parents. There's definitely a status that goes along with your kid being one of the better ball players, and that's kind of gross. And I try not to buy into that quite honestly, but um, yeah. So the experience we've had in baseball, as far as coaching is concerned, has been far, far better eclipsing the experience we've had in terms of basketball. Um, But, you know, I'm hopeful. I I, I see who the coaches will be when my son gets into some of the older travel teams in the league that we're a part of. And then also, you know, as far as at school, I see I don't right. know who the coach is once he gets to sixth grade, which is next year, and it definitely improves. But yeah, I mean the night, the night and day between basketball, and, and we're only talking about two sports, right? Exactly. I, I imagine yeah. it's quite different as you go from sport to sport to sport. My son is at summer camp for almost the entire summer, uh, seven weeks. He finally comes home in ten days, and I'm I've been counting it down since he left. I missed the ton. I missed the heck out of him. But he came home between sessions for just a weekend. And his <clears throat> latest interest that he wants me to try to you know, kind of help him find an outlet for is lacrosse. I guess they really took a, a, a significant level of interest in lacrosse at camp this summer, probably because one or two of the counselors 
brought it to camp and really got the kids into it. And I'm thinking, man, if you're not in, I don't know, but the, the Maryland, Baltimore area or further south into like the Carolinas, I, I don't know where to get you a lacrosse outlet. I don't know about Kansas City, but in Pittsburgh, there's no lacrosse. Uh, no, no. And you talk about – this is like not politically charged, but you talk about the least diverse sport in all of the world. It's lacrosse. You're, well, <laughs> it's funny. You would have probably said golf not long ago, but even that is more diverse at this point. Right, right. Which, hey, it's all, it's all good. Play the sport you want to play. But it's just funny – the folks I know playing lacrosse around here, it's like, okay, you fit the demographic. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think the only but, teams in Western PA, I shouldn't say the only, but what stands out in my brain about the only schools that I can think of that have a team are the more elite private schools. Yeah. So, eh. Yeah. That said, good, yeah. Um, I know we wanted to, we, we touched on the national in that conversation a little bit. And I definitely wanted to talk a little bit about the national in, in more detail because it obviously is the next huge thing in the hobby coming up uh, in less than a week, just five days or so. Yeah. First, I, I first Let me... comment here, though, is I, I'm two hours driving from Cleveland, so I, I can make a last minute decision. And I have a sister that lives there, so I can even without a hotel room just crash. But what, what are your plans? <laughs> Well, my plan right now is to thank our sponsors, especially yeah. someone that's <laughs> – let me, let me do that, and then uh, let's no problem. this national. No problem. Well, this week I want to thank another one of our awesome sponsors, uh, a group called Real Breaks. If you haven't had a chance to check them out, they're a Facebook-exclusive breaker um, and one of the best in the industry. In fact, they've been doing it probably the longest of anyone um, in terms of Facebook exclusivity. Ryan Holland runs an awesome group over there. Uh, community's great. Marketing's great. They have tons of content that they're always putting out there for you to, to jump into. Um, Got to give these guys a shot. Uh, you'll probably start seeing them more and more pop up. They're starting to put a lot more uh, effort into some of their advertising. Um, and again, their content's just sweet. You'll, you'll notice on our website, we have it on a, a Real Breaks landing page for them. But if you go to their Facebook page, you'll also see some of their information around their giveaway. They're doing—they're going to be at the National. Uh, you have an opportunity to be a real breaker and break your own box and break it live. And you can kind of call the action, which is pretty fun. Um, then you also have a chance to win, uh, just by jumping into a couple spots there, a chance to win your own sealed case of 2018 Topps Finest Baseball or a case of 2018 Topps Inception Baseball. So pretty cool. Give those guys a chance. BreakerCulture.com, Real Breaks, or head to Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Real Breaks. Uh, go check them out. All right, so the national. You're obviously going. You're gonna you're gonna try to slip in a couple days. It sounds like. Yeah, it looks like I'm gonna probably go Thursday, Friday. Okay. Nice. Okay. Perfect. What's uh, what, what's your plan when you when you're when you're attending the national? What are you trying to accomplish this year? So I've only been to one before. It was okay. Chicago three years ago, and you know it was my first time, and I was just kind of deer in headlights. This time, I probably do have a bit more of an idea, but I haven't necessarily really thought about it. So, kind of standing on one foot. My plan is, A, go check out the Breakers Pavilion. Yep. See what kind of specials they're offering for people. They typically have some pretty cool things for people that want to get into breaks on site that aren't necessarily available online. They, they have great things to provide to the folks that can't attend the National as well. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go check that out. There are definitely a handful of breakers that I've gotten to know over the years mm -hmm. that honestly, the, the networking and the connection to people is my favorite thing. I found that at the national I went to, the only other one I went to in Chicago that I just mentioned, after a day and a half or two, and I was there for the whole time, I should say, but after the first day and a half or two of wandering around the floor and checking out the corporate pavilions and whatnot, I found that 
really the most fun I had was just literally sitting in the breakers pavilion and hanging with the breakers that I was getting to know and becoming friends with. And, uh, yeah, so I see that as a pretty significant part of what I'll do. Um, the Mojo guys are, are, are Dan and, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, are great. And, um, yeah, I'm not going to name them all. Obviously there's, there's so many, but you know, there, there are a handful of guys that, um, just really good guys, uh, sports cards or not. And, uh, I just enjoy hanging and talking. Nice. What's, uh, give me some names. Who are you going to go hang out with? What are the breakers you like chilling with? Definitely the Mojo guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom from Rip Kings, the Jaspies guys. Um, Leighton. Um, I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out and I'm going to hurt someone's feelings. Not that you, some special guy that I, uh, you know, I'm sure they're not thinking of me and that and I don't take that offense to that because I'm not, you know, some regular guy that shows up to all of the hobby events throughout the year. But yeah, you know, there, there, there's a few more. Gotcha. You, uh, aren't you, uh, buds with Chris and top shelf? Don't you hang out with him or no? Um, I have. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I definitely chatted with him a bit prior to the national and then spent a little bit of time with him in Chicago, but that was his home base. And he, he seemed to have a lot of people around. Right. So he was spread pretty thin. Maybe that makes Cleveland, sense. Cleveland might be a little different for him. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta think about location and yeah, it's, it's funny. Like most of these breakers, I would say for the, I mean, it, it's the internet, right? So it's, it's a beautiful thing. The world is flat. The United States is flat with breaking, but yeah, you get it. You, most of these guys draw a pretty slick crew from their home region. So, yeah. And there seems to be a cluster of rakers in Chicago. So, mm-hmm. you know, there was, there was a good number of folks just hanging out. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who the breakers are in, in Ohio. I'm pulling it up right now to see what, uh, Mojo are- used to have a guy, that was from Ohio. I'm pretty sure he was from Cincinnati, but his name, I, I feel really horrible right now that all names are escaping me and that's not typically my MO, but um, <laughs> I, I do know that he's no longer with them. Um, but other than that, I can't think of, Ohio. I'm sure there are. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'll, um, I'm, I'm restarting the computer, but once I get it pulled up, I'll, I'll name off a few that are going to be out there. Um, yeah, man, it's funny. I, I've, I've gone to, I think we went to the same one. I went to the one in Chicago as well. And uh, I took my kids to that one. So it's a little, it's a little different when you, you got your kids hanging around. And, and I hung out with uh, some different folks up there. I know the Legacy Sports folks pretty well, Marcel and crew, and, and got to hang with them. But, I, you know, I, because of some work travel, I don't know if I'll be able to make it this year, which is kind of frustrating because I think you and I had some plans of doing some stuff. But yeah, I can't can't really change. But I'm, I'm trying, trying to adjust some schedules and make it out there for at least the Friday session. Um, but from Kansas City to Cleveland's not easy. It's not an easy No, that's not jaunt. The, the truth is I'm a bit spoiled being in Pittsburgh. Obviously, the National isn't here, and that would really be being spoiled. But Cleveland's two hours away. Chicago is either a quick hour, hour and a half flight, or a, a, what is it? A, maybe a seven-hour drive. But I used to live in Ann Arbor which is mm-hmm. truly on the way to Chicago from Pittsburgh. So I would, I, I've been to Chicago so many times since my very close friend, had, the, the guy I went to Vegas with had moved there. So I usually just drive the four hours to Ann Arbor, hang with a few friends there for a night or two, and then continue on to Chicago, which is exactly what I did for the national a few years ago. Um, so that's also an easy trip. Atlantic yeah. city wasn't even too tough to get to from Pittsburgh. I did not go because of scheduling conflict stuff. And, and, and quite frankly, I, I'm not a huge fan of Atlantic City, so I didn't feel like I was missing much not, not going to that one. Right, right. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah, that's one of those, like, it's, it's not going to draw people. <laughs> and that, that's no. why probably <laughs> never going back to Atlantic City. <laughs> and they probably thought it might, but I, would, I, I, I personally thought, although I was never able to confirm, not that I tried very hard to confirm because I was pretty convinced of it regardless of what I would hear from someone, mm-hmm. that – you know, Atlantic City's been struggling. Not only have they always been kind of the stepchild to Vegas, but with gaming and casinos popping up all over the country, especially on the East Coast, mm-hmm. Atlantic City's been hit really hard. And yep. 
I imagine, and then, you know, in the summer, actually, it's kind of counterintuitive. The summer's kind of their best time, but I think they were hit so hard that even the summer was hit extremely hard as well. And I imagine the National was able to strike themselves a, a really sweet deal for convention space and rooms and whatever they needed in AC. So I don't begrudge them for having tried it out. They probably thought it would be better. They probably also thought it would draw more. Uh, I think, at least from my perspective, being someone who likes to, to get involved in gaming, especially poker, um, that it, it, it still wasn't even enough for me. And, and especially because when I'm going to the national, the money I intend to bring with me is earmarked for the hobby, mm-hmm. not for gambling. Right. I'm not Mr. Moneybags over here that can go and spend three, four days of spending money on sports cards and on gambling, unless I win. <laughs> you know? And I thought about that. I said, you know, go, go that first day, do a little gambling. And if you do well, then you're free riding. But yep. That's, that's dangerous. That's extremely dangerous. Oh yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, well, I mean the, the reality is you're essentially gambling once you enter that breakers, that breaker oh, room. hundred <laughs> percent. And that's a big part. I'll be the first to admit that there's definitely a part of the gambling aspect of the hobby that uh, yeah. is attractive to me, but um, I will As say most a couple people. of other things. Yeah, for sure. About the national um, that I think is probably important to throw out there. And I'm not an expert, but I think just the one experience and then having done my due diligence to kind of educate myself on going to a national uh, just a couple of kind of quick tidbits for anybody that might be listening prior to the national that are going and potentially even going for their first time. Um, a cu- so, so one, take it slow. I think it'd probably be pretty easy for some folks to just overdo it in that first half a day. Mm-hmm. I say overdo it. I mean, trying to get to every booth too quickly and buying things too quickly and even potentially buying more than you should um, and, and kind of blowing your wad. I definitely recommend trying to be disciplined and potentially not even spend money on certain things in that first day or so and kind of just get the lay of the land, walk around, educate yourself. If you find a great deal, obviously don't pass it up. And there very well may be great deals for you, depending on what you're looking for. Um, I also personally don't necessarily prioritize that going to every booth kind of experience, even though Mm -hmm. I kind of make an attempt at it. Because the truth is, the floor itself is so big, there's an enormous amount of redundancy. I also, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I, I felt that it, it pretty quickly and pretty clearly the the pricing from just the the, the, the the floor of the convention wasn't really coming close to the deals that I can find on eBay. Yeah, you know, so I, I, I'm not I'm not much of a singles guy anyway. So when I, I mean, I don't go there to dig through right. and find good deals and singles. So I guess I really, I don't, I can't offer a ton there, but yeah, there's something about, I mean, <clears throat> having the, the beauty of past price history right in front of you as you're purchasing and your, yeah. you know, your underwear and your, in your office, it's, <laughs> it's, it's hard to complain about the ease of that. But yeah, it, I think the fun part in all that is getting to know folks and negotiating and, and throwing yeah. some cards in a, a, with a sealed box, like that type of stuff is really fun to me. Especially when your kids are around, you can say, "Hey, man, let's let's see if we can find a you know, Chris Bryant card here for you. Dig through there, see what you can get." Right. That that's that's that to me is the fun part about that. So I think but, the comment that I I'm truly trying to make here is, if you're going for singles, make sure you're educated on what kind of deals you can get on eBay before. And truly, my perspective is that you're probably not going to find a better deal than you would on eBay. Where you're going to find better deals is on sealed wax. DA, Blowout, Steel City, all those guys are in the center of the convention floor around the other corporate 
tents, so to speak, with tops and upper deck. And that's that's really where the opportunities are. Also with their wrapper redemptions, you know, Panini, yep. depending on what you buy, you get a sticker on the box that you've just purchased and you walk over to their booth and redeem for however number of packs that you just purchased. And that's really where the better deals exist. Um, even, you know, older wax, even just as old as earlier the season or the last few seasons or whatever sport you are looking for, Blowout's got some pretty good deals, uh, DA, uh, all of them that I just mentioned. That's really, in, in my opinion, where your your better opportunities are. And then, obviously, as I mentioned already, the Breakers Pavilion. I'm not making these commentaries to suggest that it's not worth your while to walk around and check out the dealers. Um, but it's it's a little easy to get kind of head down, swept up in trying to go through a ton of just I mean there's millions upon millions of cards on the floor and if that's your bag that's your bag go ahead but I think you miss quite a bit if you end up just putting your head down and rifling through cards all day yeah yeah there's a there's a certain type of collector that that's meant for 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 sure um not me (laughs) yeah (laughs) not me either I'm definitely more interested in Checking yeah. everything out, trying to get a little piece of everything, and then especially connecting to people like you, and uh, and 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 the breakers. So. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, you know, I think that the biggest thing is community side of it, and that's yeah. it, there's not a better event uh, when it comes to sports cards for kind of uniting the community and enjoying things together. So that's fun. Uh, in terms of the wrapper redemption, just a quick comment on that. I saw that, and I, I mean, I looked at the boxes that you got to get. Right. I mean, to I mean. A hundred percent not jumping in status basketball. A hundred percent not jumping in prestige. Uh, essentials, yeah. Ascension, okay, maybe. Optic fast break, maybe that's the one you go for. But I mean, I, I think optic fast break is the best deal. And you're getting you're getting the most. Well, you're getting four redemption packs for an optic fast break box. So versus yeah, I'm two. And it's the price point versus the value of the cards. You know, you you don't have to hit an auto to get something pretty decent out of right. optic, and it's shiny prism chrome type of deal card that's always going yep. to retain a certain amount of value. And um, I I have to say, when Panini went to this style of wrapper redemption, um, I I was pretty disappointed. Um, they've stuck with it, and I understand why. It's their opportunity to move product that is collecting dust, mm-hmm. and uh, but it doesn't change the fact that it's disappointing that I can't just buy what I want and get something <laughs> for it. Um, but I don't see that changing, and I do remember the day when you can buy whatever you wanted and still get right for it. Um, but I don't. I really don't see them going back to that. I agree. Totally agree. Yep. So that it's all good. is what it yeah. is. Kind of. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I, I've never had great success in redemption packs anyway, so I don't really, it doesn't motivate me to go buy some more boxes, but. You know, the funny thing is, is as much as I kind of get swept up in the excitement of those redemption, redemption packs. Um, and, and probably because I did the very first time I got involved in that wasn't even the national that I attended. It was the, na- the national the year before it in Cleveland. And I didn't go, but I was able to get my hands on some packs from uh, Steel City. And I actually pulled a Le'Veon Bell rookie auto and thought, wow, these are the greatest. And <laughs> kind of got swept into it. But the reality is it's pretty hard to pull a hit, if you will. And even when you do, if you if you really pay attention to resale, people get crazy about how they price those things. Right. And if you give it a month, you can probably pick what you want. Obviously, you're not going to get a, I don't know, uh, a, a, an Otani auto for far below market value. But yeah, for the most part, you're going to get something along the lines of what you want for far less than people thought it was going to be worth. Yeah. Just give it some time. Have some patience. That's probably an adage you can apply to the hobby all time. I'm noticing that. 
last week you got philosophical. This week you're getting philosophical. Yeah. <laughs> you're uh, <laughs> you're 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 like the Yoda of breaker culture, and I it's I appreciate that. I just I wish I was have... taller than him. <laughs> <laughs> well played, well played. Well, man, I told you about uh, you know my side gig doing some coffee roasting and, and all that fun stuff. What I mean, what else do you do for fun? What do you uh? So that was actually kind of a good segue in both, you know, your statement, but also in kind of talking about the whole philosophical thing is, um, you know, I I, I like to engage in these kind of conversations and I do this on my own as well. I'm not saying I sit in the corner of my room meditating and getting philosophical and uh, that that's kind of weird. But um, as far as other hobbies outside of sports cards, I uh, I kind of always been into writing um especially journaling uh really trying to capture you know my life on a certain level uh, that i can look back and learn from my own mistakes and relive certain fun experiences and that also something that i will someday be able to share with my kids nice um one of the things more recently that that's kind of guided me towards and there's a resurgence out there in uh, the, the, the hobby world of fountain pens. It's something that's kind of been picking up for the last year or so. And, uh, you know, I was always, I I've always been kind of interested in doing something creative, uh, more often than not, that's led me down the path of doing something with respect to writing, as I've already mentioned. Um, and so just a kind of natural fit is combining, the world of, you know, beautiful and collectible writing instruments with that activity. So, yeah, I've been interested in hobby pens. Re- uh, excuse me, uh, fountain pens recently. I've been buying a, uh, quite a few more than I should. My wife is breathing down my neck about fountain pens now just as much as she has been about cards. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So what? Uh, yeah. what's the average price of a fountain pen going for, like for, for your collection? Yeah, so it's, assuming... a, it's a good question. And the, 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 that last piece that you added to the question is the most important for my collection because the truth is fountain pens get up into the thousands, even tens of thousands if you really look for the highest end. And I'm not playing in that market at all. Mm. I'm staying at this point because I am still a beginner in the hobby. I'm still focused on kind of the beginner's pen aspect of the hobby. So average price point, it's even a hard question to answer because there there really is a lot of Asian influence in the hobby. The hobby Mm -hmm. is... The fountain pen thing is really big in Asia, but they have a lot of pen makers that put out really inexpensive. When I say inexpensive pens, I'm talking about one to five dollars. Okay. And honestly, on eBay, you put in a Chinese fountain pen and you can really find some nice stuff for very cheap. Now, there's some controversy there as far as whether or not there's some proprietary uh, business deals or 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 really counterfeiting right um, so i'll be honest i do try to look for what is unique and i'm trying to go with that and not buy a knockoff um and then there are you know the a slightly higher entry level pen market that kind of probably st- levels off at around 50 60 bucks so you know if i look at my collection today of i probably have about 20 30 pens and yeah, average price is probably around twenty bucks. You know, okay. That's the bad. high the high end there is probably sixty, but the low end is just a couple bucks. It's reasonable. So that's, that's, yeah, yeah. Well, I, yeah look, I mean, I've definitely spent more on cards. There's no question about it. Um, as you the should. Interesting thing yeah. about the fountain pen hobby is, after the pens, there's a couple things you still need to get yourself into, which is the inks. Now. Inks can get expensive, but not crazy high-end like pens. The most expensive inks are probably 30 40 bucks for a 50-milliliter bottle. And 50 mm-hmm. milliliters is going to last you a long time, over a year, over even depending on the color, a few years. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Um, you know, and I'm still so new to even the ink part of things. I've only bought two bottles. I'm really still dabbling in 
the sample ink world where I'm buying like a two ML vial. And even that is lasting me several weeks because I'm not just buying one, I'm buying 10. Right. And I'm trying a whole bunch of different colors because uh, I'm not just writing with these, even though that's primarily what I'm doing. I'm also drawing and coloring and using some pretty wild different colors. Um, so yeah, that's, that's probably the biggest other interest that I have, but I'm also an avid golfer and poker player. So that, that, those two things take up a bunch of time. And those are the two things that I do that really connect me to other people that aren't necessarily interested in the other hobbies that I'm in. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. <clears throat> I was looking to see if there was any BGS graded or PSA graded fountain pens, but they haven't gotten to that point yet. So I'm surprised that that's the next uh, evolution of fountain pens. I'm just I'm giving you heads up now. That's interesting. That's a really good point I never considered. And the truth is, when you go and look at vintage fountain pens, because there's a big market for vintage fountain pens, there's really other than being live and in person and inspecting it yourself. And if you're me, you're no expert. So you don't really know what you're looking for. There's, there's no grading system that I'm aware of. So you're, that, you know, buyer beware. SPS, Shani. <laughs> SGS, Shani grading SGS. system. There you go. Uh, there you go. So, so give me the 30 second. If someone wants to get, get involved in journaling, what's the, what's the one or two quick tips? And I emphasize quick. Sure. Uh, for starting yourself a, a blank notebook diary that you like, you can spend as little as three bucks, as much as 30 on a nice diary. You can get something leather bound or you can just get a old need notebook from the target uh, back to school section. You know, doesn't matter if you want to use a fountain pen, the better the paper is is really the, the, the better quality is, is a good idea and then get yourself a five dollar pen it doesn't have to be a fountain pen it could be a gel roller but something you like putting in your hands and the reason i say that is because if you're just using a, an old bic mm -hmm. there's something about the, the writing experience that's not going to really add to your overall experience and you'll be shocked that when you put a nice writing instrument in your hand and go to write how compelled you are not only to lengthen that writing session, but keep coming back to it. Cause I talk to a lot of people that journal and almost to a man, they'll say, I really love journaling when I'm doing it, but I find it so hard to make that disciplined commitment to keep coming back. Yep. And what made me disciplined about it was loving the process of putting a pen in my hands, inking up that pen, and sitting down and writing. And I will, one other thing, there's this relatively new concept in journaling called bullet journaling. Have you ever heard of that? Oh yeah. Yep. So bullet journaling is a way for people that may not have enough time to just sit and free flow where instead of just stream of consciousness and you're writing a whole bunch down, you're literally, as the term sounds bullet journaling, you're literally writing bullet points down rather than whole stories. And that gives you a chance if you're extremely busy and you can't spend a long time on it to still get some basic thoughts, get some basic experiences that you've had since you've last opened that diary mm. and still get some things down. Some people only journal that way. Some people will bullet journal when they don't have time to write longer. And some people will bullet journal in one journal and then look back at it when they have time to spend more uh, of an exhaustive kind of, you know, long form writing effort and use those bullets to kind of inform their long form a little bit better. So I, I highly recommend for folks that say, I'd love to do something like that, but I don't have time. Hmm. Just Google bullet journaling and learn a little bit more about what that is. And that's the perfect way to do it. If you're, if your time constraints are, are hurting you. There you go. Your 30 seconds turn into three and a half minutes. I knew it. It's very, it's very normal for you. <laughs> no, it's funny. While you were doing that, I ended up buying myself uh, a Montblanc pen. Just dropped a couple hundred bucks on that. Um, so we're good. We're ready to go. Really? No, no way. No way. Uh, but but I, do, I do find myself gravitating towards the moleskin notebooks. I know it's overpriced, but, uh, yeah, but something, something about them pretty sweet. 
And there's something um, to be said for doing something that makes you happy with that. Because totally. when yeah. you're journaling, you're you're capturing something about your life that's ultimately going to be very important to to you and, and your family someday. Yeah, yeah. You you wanna you wanna open it every day. You want to be motivated to to use it. So yeah, I get it. I totally get it. Well, that's interesting, man. Fountain pens and journaling. That uh, it's pretty unique. You keep yeah. impressing me. You keep impressing me. Yeah. Uh, so next week, coffee roaster. Yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty straightforward. But uh, <laughs> well, man, I hope we get to connect next week. Uh, either yeah, way, I, I think so. you're going to try to snag some, maybe snag some interviews from some folks. We, uh, in a couple weeks here, we have a, another scheduled interview with, uh, with the breaker. Looking forward to that. But uh, it's been nice. It's been nice. Have a good weekend. We'll talk you to you. Too, man. Talk to you soon. All right, brother. See you. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. Thanks so much for joining this week. We look forward to seeing you next week. Uh, I real quickly want to tie the knot on something we had mentioned earlier in the podcast in terms of group breakers that are near or um, in Cleveland, Ohio. And there, there's a few of them, um, guys. And, and I just pulled it real quickly off Breaker Culture. You can go to drop down breakers and you can see search by location. Um, so there's a list that pops up really quickly. Um, Top notch sports breaks is in Cleveland. Um, Bomber breaks is in Chagrin Falls. Nasty breaks is in Bowling Green. Um, Ricky's Breaks is in Pittsburgh. Uh, obviously, you got Steel City that's in Pittsburgh, and then you have Buck City that's out of Columbus. And I don't think Buck City is going to be there doing anything, but it'll be there kind of mingling and getting a chance to meet some of their customers. So those are some breakers that pop up real quickly on our site. Uh, you can, again, go check out if you want to check out locations. Um, you'll be able to find that real quickly on BreakerCulture.com. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.